When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Clear Eyes, Full Hearts, a podcast presentation of Black Barrel Media and Ritual Productions. This is an episode-by-episode look at the award-winning TV show Friday Night Lights, created by Peter Berg. I'm Stacey Orstano. I played Mindy Collette Riggins. And I'm Derek Phillips, and I played Billy Riggins. Our assumption is that you, our listeners, have already watched the show. But if you haven't already, go watch Friday Night Lights, which is currently streaming on Netflix and Peacock TV, because there will be spoilers in our podcast. If you want to support our show, subscribe for free to our YouTube channel, where you can access exclusive of content we have a youtube handle that makes it easy to find us that's youtube.com slash at clear eyes full hearts also we are continuing to release new episodes of the podcast every other week that's right so join us as we recap all your favorite episodes chat with amazing guests and answer your questions email us what you want to know at clear eyes full hearts pod at gmail.com today we are talking about season five episode eight fracture it was written by monica beletsky and directed by allison liddy brown the synopsis from nb BC reads, Coach Taylor worries the team is falling apart when Vince creates tension with his teammates and Tammy is concerned for one of her students. There's a ton to unpack in this episode, but before we get into it, we're going to answer some fan questions. Our first question comes from Angel Renee, who asks, since you guys have now watched back almost every episode, is there any scene you'd want to go back and reshoot? P.S. One of my favorite Billy scenes is when he lets it slip that he pooped in Coach's mailbox. I love that scene, too. Thank you very much for that. Yeah, there's a scene early, early on in the first season. I think it's, I'm going to give you the episode number. Episode 8 of season 1 where Billy is having dinner at Coach's house. I think we've talked about this on the show where you're making that transition from theater to film or theater to television, and there's a reaction that I have in that scene where I'm showing the audience as opposed to just feeling something. And there's a moment where we're having dinner at Coach's house, and Tim and Billy are kind of in a little bit of an argument, but Billy's trying to keep a good face in front of Coach, doesn't want Coach to know that things are kind of unraveling in the Riggins household. I just really wish that when we were shooting that scene, I had felt what I was feeling as opposed to trying to show what I was feeling because when I watch that scene now it's like nails on a chalkboard I really hate watching it because of my reactions in it and the reality is I don't think I change anything because I had to learn you know I had to experience that in real time to realize oh that's not how you do it I think there's also a moment early on in the show in episode seven of the first season where I look at the camera you spike the lens and I notice it every time you do yeah. I would go back and reshoot all of them. It's why I don't watch myself. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff I want to go back and fix. Even like, yeah, the stuff in this episode I want to go back and fix. So yeah, it's specifically why I don't watch myself. Because like, it's done. I can't fix it. I don't enjoy it. I know a lot of people that think, oh yeah, if you're an actor, you'd love watching yourself. I can't stand it. Nope. When the show actually aired for the first time, 
I have a good friend, and we've probably talked about him numerous times on the podcast, but my buddy Chris Moreno was like, dude, we got to celebrate. We got to have a big party. And it's the first time I was really on a television show. I'd done some soap opera work and stuff like that, but this was, you know, my first big thing. And so I think it was maybe the second episode had aired, and we got a bunch of people together over at Chris's house to watch it. And I was as uncomfortable as I've ever been in my whole entire life, I think. And after that experience, I will never, I mean, I may watch a show with close friend, but I will never have like a group setting again. It was awful. And I thought it was something that would be celebratory and fun. And I just did not enjoy it. I'll go, I'll go to the premiere, but I'll leave before the movie screens. Yeah, none of us watch the movie. We go eat popcorn and wait. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough to watch yourself. We're the worst. Actors are the worst. I think everyone is, though. Because think about it this way, guys. I mean, the first time you heard your voice, you go, oh, that's what I sound like? Or that's what I look like? And if you spend too much time focused on that stuff, it can eat you alive. I've also talked about a buddy of mine, Paul Edelstein, who really helped me out early on when we were getting started. Paul Edelstein, you guys might know him from Prison Break and Private Practice. He's been in a ton of movies, a ton of TV shows. But one of the things I said to Paul early on he was a good friend of mine when we started Friday Night Lights. I said, you know, it's really hard for me. I watched myself and I said, do you have a good side or a bad side? And he's like, don't worry about that stuff, man. He's like, that'll eat you alive. You just got to focus on the work. And that's what I try to do going forward. I try to be objective about how the scene played as an actor when I watch it. And did I do my job as an actor and not focus too heavily on the way I look? And, you know, everybody's got their insecurities. Anywho, next question. To answer the question, Derek has one. I have all of them. (laughs) Our next question comes from Dot in Scotland, who writes, In the scene where Landry goes to the cafe diner, what actually is the difference? I guess that's an American thing, true. Where Jess works, I spotted deep-fried Milky Way on the menu on the wall behind her. Is this a real thing, and have you ever tried it? I'm going to tell you about a little place called Texas, (laughs) where we have the Texas State Fair, and there is a stand at the State Fair that is literally, you bring them anything, and they will fry it. So I think it's where we got, like, deep-fried Oreos, deep-fried Twinkies, deep-fried butter, I kid you not. Yeah, that's right. Deep fried butter. Oh, deep fried Milky Way is a thing. You're from Scotland. This is why 90% of Americans are like 300 pounds overweight. And it's like, yeah, it's, uh, you can fry any deep fried Twinkies are amazing. Stace, what is the difference between a cafe and a diner? Um, I mean, I feel like in the United States, when we use the term cafe, it's more upscale. Cafe to me, it just means like just go in and grab a sandwich and a drink really yeah. fast. But like a diner, you sit down for a minute, and you have like more options. I don't know. Yeah. But I wouldn't even call Jess's, that's like a barbecue stand. It's not, yeah. it's neither a diner nor a cafe. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. But I'm thinking just like from an American perspective, when I think of cafe, I think of like going somewhere and grabbing a croissant. Or cafe is like you grab a tray. Mm-hmm. And you like go through a line and you get your stuff and you sit at a table like at college. It's more like a cafeteria, though. Oh, I guess so. Well, I hope that that answered your question. It didn't necessarily for us. All right. Our final question comes from Marine M, who has a bone to pick with Stacy and I. <sighs> I'm kidding. She just watched episode 11 from season three. And she says, this is the first time I have ever commented on the Internet to anything. But how could you not mention the scene between Tim and Lila? After the rainy, wet, cold football game on the sofa at the Riggins' house. This is one of the most watched scenes in all of FNL. Where are you getting these numbers from, I know. Where are your numbers? I want to see your numbers. The most watched scene. You and Netflix need to be more transparent with (laughs) your your numbers. (laughs) Maybe she works for Netflix. Very disappointed that you didn't even mention it. Maureen, I was going to get in an argument with you. 
But you're right. We did barely touch that scene. There's always so much to unpack in every episode, and sometimes things get overlooked. But I did mention that I really loved both Taylor and Minka in that scene. Tim and Lila have almost swapped personalities in season three, episode 11. By the time we get there, I mean, he's happy to stay home and not go to the party with the rest of the team after their big victory. But Lila's kind of floating through life at this point. She's, you know, moved out. She's no longer living with Buddy after Buddy lost her scholarship money. And she's drinking beer and playing Mario Kart with Billy and Mindy. And Tim is kind of acknowledging that she's not happy. It, when he does that, in my opinion, shows how selfless he is. He knows deep down that at some point she's going to have to reconcile with her father and go home. And obviously her going home isn't necessarily what Tim as the boyfriend would want. At the end of the day, it seems to me that Tim just wants Lila to be happy. You know, I'd say the biggest thing, Stacy, that we skipped over is the fact that it's the first time that Tim tells Lila he loves her. And even though Lila reciprocates it verbally, there's this feeling that I add that she's still only halfway there and that this whole relationship might just be like a rebellious phase that she's going through. Relationships are hard, Stace, and I feel like these two are like two elevators that never seem to be going in the right direction. Occasionally they meet for a moment on the same floor, but they can never be in sync together. Hopefully, Maureen, that helps. We would like to know what other scenes we didn't talk about that we should talk about. I'm more impressed that this is the first time you've ever commented on the internet. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Like, honestly impressive, because I can't stop myself from commenting on the internet, and I need help. What's the last thing you commented on, Stace? A Facebook fight. I can't stop myself. That's why I left Facebook. I couldn't do it. I was arguing I know, with everybody. I can't. I found myself getting into an argument with a dude that sat behind me in Spanish class 25 years ago that I didn't Great. even like. And I'm like, what the hell am I doing? So I got off Facebook because it was not productive. It's not productive <laughs> at all. Listen, yeah, tell us what other scenes we didn't talk about when we will talk about them now. But that's a good point, Maureen. Thank you so much, because that means you're listening to our podcast. So thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We're not perfect. We're going to screw up here. We're not going to be able to tackle everything. That's okay. But send us a note, and hopefully we'll cover it. Thank you guys so much for the questions. This is so beneficial to us. We love hearing from you. Please keep them coming. Stace, ready to start the rest of this episode rewatch? Yeah, Dean. All right, let's do it. We start this episode with Vince and the rest of the Howard family watching Vince give a TV interview after the big Dylan East Dylan football game. And Vince kind of neglects to mention any of his teammates in the interview. I mean, Jess is pretty quick to point out that that's not cool. But the rest of the Howard family, specifically Ornette, seem very unfazed by this little slip up on Vince's part. But as we've come to learn on Friday Night Lights, this is going to be a point of contention moving forward. It's got a little bit of his dad in him maybe more than he ever realized before i think yeah there was a little bit of smash i thought in that tv interview oh i hadn't even thought about that yeah that bravado that he had yeah yeah vince has never really had that no 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 but you gotta be careful vince because you're gonna ostracize the rest of your teammates especially after a big win he made it seem like he was the only dude on the field and as we know, as I said before, there's going to be repercussions for that. Yes, later. Just because I have now watched almost all of this show, I have learned our camera angles and our tricks and how we follow somebody. And that camera angle, that like long walk following Julie to the door, uh-huh. I knew someone important was at the door for Julie. Otherwise, it would have stayed on the family and like that would be in the background. So I was like, oh, God, it's Matt. Oh, I was thinking Buddy Garrity in a bathrobe. 
Oh, yeah, that too. Pool of importance. Yes. Because I could tell the buildup was that, and then it was a stupid TA. Stupid TA. And what's his stupid name? Derek. Yeah. Stupid, stupid Derek. Derek. Yes. Stupid Derek face. And we found out he's been calling her too. Like, yep. dude. Dude. Yeah. I hate this guy. I really can't stand Great actor, but ugh. He is a great actor, though. Because, I mean, he does make the guy as likable as you could possibly be, even though I can't stand the guy. I don't hate him. Yeah. I'm like, oh, wait, do you have some good, like, you actually, maybe you really do love her. Not that it makes it okay, but whatever. But also, yeah. I like seeing Coach get mad and run after him in the car and taillights. You know, Stacey, I'm a man who doesn't believe in violence. You know this about me. Mm -hmm. I always say that about you. I'm kidding. I'm totally killing. I totally believe in violence. <laughs> I love this moment when Coach busts this guy's taillights out. I was hoping he would clock him in the face, but then there would be repercussions legally for Coach. I don't want that. I have never felt better about some taillights getting smashed, maybe, in my life. And with something from a baby toy. I love it. What was he making for Gracie Bell? Some play thing for Gracie Bell. So, like, that yeah. last piece that didn't fit, that broke a tail. I don't know. There was something sort of beautiful <laughs> about it. It looked like a tricycle or something, like a tricycle bars. So it was, like, pink and light and yeah, then it's perfect it was perfect great. i love it i need an entire full story synopsis of this <laughs> war dance i'm gonna be honest i've heard you talk about it i remember <laughs> you telling me when it was in the script i've never watched this episode that's the first time i've seen you do it i loved it by the way thank you i was crapping my pants all it says in the script is billy does a haka that's it they didn't give me any direction. They didn't tell me anything else. And I'm like, what do you mean Billy does a haka? They're like, yeah, you just go do a haka. Like, what do you mean just go do a haka? I didn't have any choreography. I didn't have anybody, like, <laughs> tell me how to do this thing. And they were like, yeah, Billy just probably watched it on YouTube or something. Just go watch some YouTube stuff and then do a haka. <laughs> so I had to come in and choreograph this thing for all the actors. So I had to make this thing up. I found an Australian rules. Is that what they call it? Australian rugby? Australian football. Australian football or rugby, but there's okay. a team called the New Zealand All Blacks. They do this haka that's really, really cool. So I went and watched a bunch of different hakas that that team does. I didn't want to offend anybody because it's also like a traditional dance that's done by mm -hmm. these guys to intimidate their opponents. I don't know enough about it, but I watched all these videos on it. I came up with some choreography. I don't know at all what I'm saying, but I don't think Billy would either. But all the guys, so you gave them the words and stuff? Yeah. I still remember it to this day. I said, Akamate. I love it. Akamate, Akamate. But once again, I don't know what I'm saying. None of us knew what we were saying. I thought of it as like, Billy is as ignorant as I am about this. He's going to go watch this, think it's cool. And I think it's beyond cool. I've always thought the Hawker was they are very cool. super intimidating and awesome. And University of Hawaii used to do it, college football, a few years back. It's really, really cool. This was no way, shape, or form trying to insult anybody. It was literally out of complete and total respect. It was pouring down rain that day. The field was completely and totally covered in mud. And we did it. And it was the first time Kyle Chandler saw it. And he walked over to me after it was over. And he goes, dude, that was badass. And I said, oh, <laughs> thanks, man. And he goes, I read it in the script. And I was like, what the hell is Derek going to do? And he's like, good on you for going all out. He's like, this is the kind of thing, if you don't go all out, you're going to look like an idiot. Yeah. I probably look like an idiot regardless. But I loved it. you kind of got to go full blast with it or you're going to look like a moron. So I rehearsed it at home. I think at this point in time, Kitch was out of town. So I was living in Kitch's apartment in Austin and screaming a haka at the top of my lungs. I'm sure the neighbors were thrilled. 
But the reason that this whole entire haka was even introduced is because they needed a reason for Bud Light to get injured. Yeah. Because remember, guys, Jeff Rosick had hurt himself. He'd torn his Achilles tendon, and it was something that they had to incorporate into the script then. Mm -hmm. So what better way to incorporate it into the script than to just... Blame it on Billy. Yeah, blame it on Billy. Like, they didn't even need to go through the writer's room. They all said that in unison. Nah, I'm sure. It's like on the whiteboard, always in the writer's room, blame it on Billy. Blame Billy, yes. Billy gets blamed for this haka, but it was also a good way for our writers to kind of navigate this situation with Jeff's torn Achilles. And that was also a huge lesson for me as an actor. I think we have this idea that they can't replace me. They can't write around me. Yes, they can. And they can do it very, very quickly. They had a whole storyline for Jeff's character. And then because of his torn ligaments, it was like, all right, got to adjust. They wrote in a whole entire scene where they go to the doctor's office. That scene was actually cut because I have a good buddy of mine, Mike Schrader, that played the doctor in that scene. He did? Yeah. Yeah, Mike's stuff got cut, unfortunately, so we just pick up with the Garrity's outside of the hospital. But yeah, it's definitely a lesson learned in some respects at how quickly writers can change storyline and scripts. They have to be like that malleable. Yeah. Stuff happens. I was doing NCIS Hawaii about, well, almost a year ago to the day, and I shot my first day of work. Next day, I was like, man, I am not feeling well. Went and got tested on that Monday, and I got covid And I couldn't work for the next two weeks. And they had to cut all my stuff in that episode. And I was like, how are they going to cut it? They didn't skip a beat. They wound up giving (laughs) all of my dialogue. They basically just made a little monologue. Another girl on the show just says like, you know. Yeah, just for the information. Yeah, all the information that was in that scene. like how expendable we actually are. Like how fragile our jobs are. Yes. So it was a good lesson learned, a good lesson anytime that you're on a show, that how quickly they can write you out. The minute you start asking for more money, they're like, oh, okay, see you later. When I'm under contract, I do less stupid things. I fall and get hurt a lot. So I'm like, no, I probably shouldn't go snowboarding until after I'm done with this because I'll get hurt. Uh, That used to drive Nan Bernstein crazy Mm because Taylor Kitsch, Kyle Chandler, and I all had motorcycles. I remember one day we were leaving set and she came running out. Because Taylor and I were both on our bikes. And she came running out and she said, no, no motorcycles, no motorcycles. Get off that motorcycle. And we're revving it as loud as we could, basically, to just quiet Nan down. We have to get home from here, so probably motorcycle. Yes. That's going to happen. I mean, she makes a good point. If either one of us go down, it's a massive problem for production, you know. But poor Nan Bernstein, her job was like herding cats. Riley Lynn and Jeff Rossick coming out of the hospital and just sitting on that bench. Mm-hmm. There's like a very front camera view and then a side view of them. I'm like, God, they look like father and son. Like, it's ridiculous how much they look like father and son. It is ridiculous. And it's also ridiculous how much those two bonded. Like, they mm-hmm. were kind of inseparable. Like, still yeah. get along to this day. Brad Leland has all girls. In real life. Yep. And I think in some respects, this was kind of the son he never had. So he got yeah. to experience that on this show. Just the same way that Stacey and I got to have our child on the show. And that's probably as close to us having children as it's ever going to happen. And I'm done. Thanks. To this day, Stace, I don't know if you know this, but to this day, there's a picture of you and I with the two kids that played our child. Mm -hmm. There's a picture of you and I in the Riggins house sitting there holding the kids. And my mom has that picture on the refrigerator like a family photo. 
Oh, bless her. Does she want our wedding picture, too? She can have that, too. She can have it. The, she can have that's it. That's brilliant. But it is a great picture of Stacy and I holding our two babies, or our one baby, but, you know, the doubles. They doubled each other. The two Hannibals. Yeah, the two even Hannibal. Okay, this TA, God, he's invasive, man. Uh-huh. He comes to Tammy's office, and he says he quit his job, and he wants to help, and he wants Julie to get back to school. I'm finding myself believing him and trusting him. I don't know if I should. Yeah, I go back and forth with it. And trust is a strong word. I think we've discussed it ad nauseum. I think the guy's a douche. But yeah. do I think he's trying to do the right thing here? Yeah, I do. I actually kind of do. But I don't want him involved. It's like, just go away, dude. I wonder if maybe he actually got fired, though. I don't know. Could be I'm writing my own Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. It was a whole thing. Yeah, I mean, it is a whole thing. I think he's doing good things. Guys, that's Jessica Hale and Amanda Brown playing my friends. They were very, very, very fun. I had completely forgotten about this episode. We shot a lot of stuff that got cut, and it was just the four of us. It was so, so fun. This is a fun episode for you guys. We'll talk about another scene later. (laughs) Okay, this Oklahoma Tech campus. Uh I've never seen anything like that in my life. I've never seen a campus like that in my life. And I love that there are no classrooms and no students (laughs) go to class at this college. I mean, that's kind of how college is now. I'm not saying that they don't go to class, but the colleges have gotten ridiculous. Like I went to school at Baylor University. I went back to visit Baylor after I had graduated and they had built this student life center. It's like a gymnasium, basically. But you can't even call it a gym. It's got an indoor pool, a rock climbing wall, a water slide, a lazy river. What? Racquetball courts. I swear to God, I'm not making this up. Aerobic studios, three floors of, like, free weights, cardio machines, an indoor track, basketball courts, a sand volleyball court, pickleball courts. It's insane, Stacy. Insane. Colleges are basically club med nowadays. I mean, that's probably why they cost so damn much. But when I went to Baylor, and I'm not kidding, the gym, there was literally like a basketball court that was run down, falling apart. And then behind a curtain in the gym, there was like some universal weights, a squat rack, a rusty bench. And that was it. That was our gym. And that was for the whole entire university. It's night and day what these kids get on campus. And look, college was still awesome when I was there. But I mean, the facilities have gotten out of control. And so when you're looking at colleges, you're like, well, this school has this and this school has this, you know? I just never seen anything like it. Yeah, it's crazy. Good on them. And no one goes to class. And everyone is very hot. Yes, everyone was very hot. This is a very sweet scene that happens with us and Becky in a very strange place. This sweet scene of her being very open and honest in the back of a strip club. (laughs) And... I had forgotten. I say the line, life is going to throw a bunch of crap at you, but all you can do is put it in the past and leave it there. And I'm going to be honest, those are words that I kind of needed to hear at this moment in time in my life. And it was very weird getting advice from younger Stacy to <laughs> Stacy now. I had a very meta moment of weirdness. I videotaped it, actually. You videotaped yourself watching yourself talk to yourself? Yeah, it was very weird. That's super meta. <laughs> Super meta. It really was a sweet scene, though. And you're right. You usually don't expect many to have this wonderful sage advice, but pretty solid advice there, men's. Well done. Quick question for you. Is that the actual dressing room at the landing strip? Yeah. Like in that back? Okay. Yeah. I shot scenes in the landing strip, but I never went into the, like the actual mm-hmm. dressing room. There's a tanning bed in there. 
Is it really? Yeah. Did you ever use it? No, it wasn't ever on, but I really wanted to. <laughs> All right. All right. Good to know. Okay. So just because I know, again, I have learned our show now that I'm in season five, I'm assuming that that guy that plays the head coach at Oklahoma Tech is a famous head coach of something. He was actually not a famous head coach. The first time you've ever been wrong on this podcast, Stacey. I quit. No, he's not a famous coach. He's actually an actor. His name is Jay Taylor. But for those of you wondering what stadium was used for Oklahoma Tech, that's actually Daryl K. Royal Stadium, home of the University of Texas Longhorns, which is also where we shot the state championship game for season three. But they did doctor it up to make it look like Oklahoma Tech. I'm surprised that the University of Texas let them paint their field with Oklahoma in the end zone, right? Oklahoma anything. They painted their field. I thought about that. I had to watch it again closely because it does look like it's painted. It doesn't look like it's CGI'd on there. It's not CGI. That's paint. Yeah. And then they would paint it back. But like, whew. Now, here's the question. Do you think that they painted the field or do you think that they had AstroTurf that they had painted and brought in and rolled out? Oh, that might be easier. That's actually easier, I think. Still, I mean, I'm surprised that anything that had the name Oklahoma was allowed to be put out in that stadium. We got that big direct TV half a season money. Yeah, that's right. But I'm surprised that the University of Texas would let anything that says Oklahoma be unveiled in their stadium. Pretty crazy. As I'm wearing my UT hat while we record this right now. Even though Oklahoma Tech isn't even a real university. That's the thing. If it was yeah. like actually oh, this Yeah, if it was Oklahoma, Oklahoma not a chance. If it forget was the it. Sooners, no. no way. Sooners, forget it. Or even Oklahoma State, not a chance, I don't think. Tammy loves a project. And in the same way, if I see something and I like clam onto it and I'm like, this is mine until I fix it now. And now she has <laughs> Epic. I faltered a little bit with Epic at the beginning and I was like, uh, is it just that she has attitude? But I kind of love her. Yeah. I find her nuanced and fun and I love her as a project for Tammy. I don't know where Epic's going and I don't remember much about this story. I honestly don't. I don't know anything. She is a project. She seems like a lot of work. <laughs> I like a good project too, but man, that I don't know. Why? I don't know. But yeah, Tammy loves a girl project. And I like that. Yes. I would like to say I don't, I don't even know how to word this. I don't love that it took a man telling Julie who she is for her to make the right decision. She even went to her parents and said, I talked to Derek and he's right. I'm this. I'm going back to school. And I was like, no, girl, you knew that anyway. You knew that without a man telling you that. It stuck in my craw. I hear you. Do you think maybe her knowing that he wouldn't be there, maybe it made it easier for her to go back to school because he wouldn't be there? Yeah. I don't know. He could text, he like, not texted, he could have called, left that on the phone. Hey, I quit. Right. Go back to school. <laughs> they love a big grand gesture of meeting parents and broken taillights. Yeah. Hey, go back to school. Your parents paid a lot of money. I'm not there. I don't know. It's no, just, I hear you. Julie's better than that. I didn't see it as that when I watched it. No, I get that. It's such a me being like, yeah, girls say. <laughs> no, but after you said that, that's kind of what it appears. It's like everyone in her life is telling her she needs to go back to school. But then Derek says Derek it. says it. So stupid he's right. Stupid Derek with his stupid face and his stupid I name. I hate Derek. I hate I all Derek's. I hate Derek. I just want to keep saying that. Oh. Yes. Hey, here's the thing that happened. Vince threw his mom under the bus and said that she started doing drugs again. What? Dude, that scene, I totally don't remember that scene either. I'm watching that scene and I'm just oh. like, dude, what are you doing? You can't do really that. Really bad karma. Really bad karma. And then Coach catches him lying about it. Dang. Literally like two scenes later. 
No, Vince. Okay, I don't understand. Now that we said that I like Epic, but now I'm even more intrigued. I don't get what is up when we see how nice, nice, but like how lovely her foster home is and that the two younger brothers look up to her and love her and they have a ton of food. And I'm like, why is she lying about that? I'd have no idea where this goes. I can't, as I said before, I can't remember where this storyline goes either. The other thing is that I'm trying to figure out on like a psychological level why she would do something like that. I don't know. Why would she lie to Tammy? I don't know if we find out. Maybe she thinks it's the only way Tammy will pay her any attention. I, like, I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's like a cry for help in a weird way. I don't I know. I have no idea. I don't get it. Because she does seem to have a lovely home, so I fully, I don't understand the storyline anymore. She has a lovely home now, but as her foster parents said, like she yeah. came from, you know, both of her parents died of AIDS, I think she said. <laughs> you know, so she's had a really, really rough upbringing. And God only knows what that can do to a kid, you know? Yeah, I hope that we delve further into it. I know we don't have yeah. many episodes left, but I don't know what happens. And I hope that we do get into some part of that, of the psyche of it. I don't know. I know that we go a little bit further, but I don't know that there's ever complete and total resolution for Epic storyline. You know, like a lot of things on Friday Night Lights. That makes sense. It starts and then it just, you know. Yeah. You get what you get. Yeah. That is my very good buddy, Paul Taylor, that plays the host of the beauty pageant. We have done so many plays and musicals together and getting to be together on set that day was very fun. He actually played Pinhead in the scary movie. Oh, in the movie scary movie. Uh, no, in the, I don't know which Pinhead movie. There are a couple of oh, them. Oh, Hellraiser? Like five guy- yeah, he was Pinhead in one of the Hellraisers. Oh, that's cool. The late- Like the latest one. That's very cool. Yeah. Here's a question for you, Stacey. When Madison's character doesn't actually wind up winning, how much of that was improv and how much of that was scripted? All of it was improv. And oh, really? And David Hudgens was there that day uh-huh. on set, and he had brought his two sisters. Oh, no. His two sisters, I didn't know, sat in front of me. But David came over, and he was like, hey, you guys just turn around and stare at them like while they're yelling. And so we did another take of it and they turned around and I said, what are you staring at, bitch? And David started laughing his face off and I was like, what? And he goes, that's my sister. And I died. I was like, oh my God, I just called your sister a bitch. And she was like, this is the best day ever. <laughs> I was like, I didn't know. I'm so sorry. Oh God, we shot so much stuff that didn't even get cut. No, we had a lot of fun. All improv. I don't even know what we said. That's awesome. I literally talked to David and Megan and his wife like a week ago because they FaceTime me out of the blue and they have a niece that's like a huge Friday Night Lights fan and it was her and all of her like girlfriends that are freshmen in college at University of Texas and they were freaking out on the phone because it was just a lot of loud screaming from 18 year old girls I felt really cool I was about to say have you ever felt cooler (laughs) probably not I could not understand a word that they were saying because it was just all high-pitched screaming. <laughs> and there were like six of them on the phone, and Megan was just laughing hysterically, David's wife. And then David poked his head in there and was like, ah. But always great to hear from those two. Now he's the cool uncle. Yeah. David uh, asked me recently, he's like, how far along are you guys in the podcast? And I said, we're on season five. We just started season five. And he's like, oh, that's awesome, man. I said, I feel like Stacy and I might be running out of things to say. And he said, yeah. How do you think we felt as writers? After you write people. For I, s- I love doing the podcast. No, I know. But like, we know these people so well. If we keep saying the same thing about like, Coach is a good guy and Tammy's a, and Tammy's yeah. a really good lady. It's like, we know. <laughs> I can't talk about, you know, we use three cameras every time we shot. You know, there was a lot of improv <laughs> on the show. Everything was handheld. There's only so many times you can say that before the audience, you know, I'm sure a lot of you are listening to this while you're driving. You just want to pull the car off the road and slam into a bridge embankment. 
Derek, you should tell him about playing Hamlet again. Ooh, I'm happy to. Oh, <laughs> I'm getting a message from our producer to keep moving. Stop talking about Hamlet. I don't see where from here Coach Taylor gets his team back together right now. I love the title of this episode. A lot of things are fractured, have been fractured. I don't see how this gets back together. They're not a team. Yeah, and this is one of those scenes, too, that when we were shooting it on the day, I don't think that there had been discussion beforehand with a lot of the background actors. The background actors don't have scripts. They don't know what's going on scene by scene. So I don't think they had a clue what was going on in this scene. And Luke and Vince kind of get in each other's face at one point in time. And? and it was supposed to just be a verbal altercation that happened. And the two actors, Mike B and Matt Loria, started getting adamant with each other and like kind of pushed each other. It wasn't like a real thing. It was like actors just being actors. You know what I mean? The scene got no, heated. No, and they're so comfortable with each other, they would know what the boundaries are. The scene got heated and the background actors being background actors and doing their part went to break it up. And when they went to break it up, though, elbows were kind of flying. I got an elbow in the face. Shut up. People were screaming and yelling. And when Kyle Chandler goes, shut up. That wasn't Coach. That was Kyle. Because he immediately goes, what the hell is going on? Huh? What is going on? Because it was supposed to be like Crowley's arguing with Billy. Billy's arguing with Crowley. Vince and Luke are kind of having words with each other. Yeah. It was never meant to be physical or to get to a physical place. And it got to this physical place, which I think actually plays better. It plays so good. Yeah. Because then the doors open and like the school can see that they're all fighting each other. It was so good. But Kyle's such a chill guy. When he yelled shut up like that, it was like... We talk about having like kinesthetic responses. And I mean, this is one of the things I love about Friday Night Lights is something like that happens and they keep it. They keep it in the show. You know what I mean? Rather than cut around it and go, hey guys, let's, let's maybe do I think we did, you know, make sure that the next take that we did, we didn't. Like a little safer, but but the camera guys know too that like in that moment, they're going to grab the good stuff that's happening, even though they're 100%, shocked. you know, I mean, it got physical and the background actors just reacted to the physicality of it. You know, some guys pick sides, you know, some guys were on Luke's side and some guys were yelling at each other. And so it became this thing where, yeah, as you said before, the episode is titled Fracture. And, I mean, it is fractured in this Everything. moment. But, yeah, that scene got really heated. I got knocked in the face and something, I feel like my watch got knocked off or something. Jesus. I literally was like, dude, guys, chill with F out, you know what I mean? Just got elbowed here. And it wasn't supposed to be a physical scene. And they, like, walk out into this pep rally and there's, like, not a lot of pep. In Coach's step. No. Also, you were straight up fighting an old man. Yeah. <laughs> I personally hate that stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I hate it because this Derek, I love Crowley, and I don't want to be up in Coach Crowley's face. But <gasps> Billy, it, like, kind of works. It you know? so works because he was already mad at you last episode. Yeah. What you're also kind of getting is the old versus the new, and I think that this is something that plays out in college and in the pros. There's a way of doing things. There's a way of handling yourself. There's a decorum. There is a respect for the game that I think the older generation has, that the younger generation is a little bit more showboat, a little bit more taunting. Mm -hmm. I want to spike. I want to football in the end zone. And I want to do a dance afterwards when I score a touchdown. The older generation is like, give the ball back to the referee and act like you've been there before. <laughs> and that's who Crowley is. And Billy is more like the, I want to spike. I want to taunt. I want to do a haka at the start of the game. I want to intimidate. I want to scream. I want to stand over a guy if I stick him and do finger guns. That's who Billy is. And Coach Crowley's the opposite of that. So you've got these two kind of worlds colliding here. So I love it 
as an actor. It works. Because the coach team is fractured. Yeah. The team is fractured. The coaches are fractured. Buddy Jr. Yeah. is fractured. Not to mention the relationship between Coach and Ornette when we've got this scene right beforehand where Ornette basically threatens him because Coach has been getting some phone calls from some colleges, specifically one college who thinks that he could be a head coach for them. And Ornette knows about this. And now Ornette's going to use that as pressure on Coach. So yeah, Fracture is definitely a great a good title, title for this episode. Okay. JCB and Stacy again. <laughs> I get it. I get where I was supposed to go that she turns the car around the minute Derek says, I was doing it for the second one for you to come back to me. And all of a sudden we see her pull a Yui and she turns the car around and we know she's not going to school. We see her drive up and knock on a door and I know we're supposed to think she's going to Derek's, but man, I saw Zach Guilford's name at the guest show credits and I knew she was going to Matt's. And I just wish we could have kept it a secret. I wish we could have put Zach's credit at the end of the show. And I know there's like SAG rules and stuff, but man, I hated that I knew it. I don't even know what the SAG rules are regarding that. I mean, I know as a guest star, you could put it in your car. Yeah, it's in the contract, but you can actually ask. The show can ask to have it put in the back. Like Kevin Spacey isn't in the credits for seven. Like, you don't know that it's him till the uh, end. It's gotcha, actually very gotcha, gotcha. cool. But, like, I wish they had put it at the end. I'm pissed that you got spoiled by that. Yeah, I didn't know he came back. Yeah, I mean, that sucks. It's such a cool moment, and I just think our writers mm. did such a good job. Just throughout the show of bringing these former characters back, it always feels so natural. I wish that you hadn't gotten spoiled, Stace. His name even came up after Julie's walk to the door, and I was like, oh, it's somebody important. I wonder if it's Matt. And then, like... A minute and a half later, his name popped up on screen, and I went, oh, that's weird Yeah, that I had that thought, and there's his name, yeah. so that's like I was already in that space. Man. That sucks. Man, my stupid reading. When Julie made that U-turn, though, I was praying that it wasn't to see stupid Derek. I'd actually forgotten that this is when she goes to see Matt. She still is not going to school, but okay. See, she's on sabbatical. As I said before, I love the way that our writers have kind of brought these older characters back, these characters that we've come to love, because it's very natural, and it feels like... Don't you remember being in high school and there was, like, an upperclassman who had graduated, and then randomly it's, like, one day in August, and there he is. It's like, he just shows up, and he's at school, and it's like, dude, so-and-so's back in town. Eh. It was always so fun for me as a, a high school kid when... Some random guy who was in college just happened to be in town for a weekend or whatever else. And that's kind of how the show does it. Like, they're not there forever. They come back for a moment and then they're back to their lives. I don't know what happens with them, but I was very happy to see his face. There will be more characters coming. Yeah, okay. Are we done here, Stace? Oh, we're done. That's it for Season 5, Episode 8. But join us next time for Season 5, Episode 9, entitled Gut Check. But until then, clear eyes. Full eyes. Can't lose. Clear Eyes Full Arts is a podcast presentation of Black Barrel Media and Ritual Productions. Executive producers are Stacey Rastano and Derek Phillips, Chris and Mindy Wimmer for Black Barrel Media, and Steve Walters for Ritual Productions. Our producer is Miranda Parham. Send your questions to Pod at gmail.com. And follow us on social media. I'm on Instagram at Stacey Rastano. And I'm also on Instagram at underscore Derek Phillips. Check us out on YouTube and BlackBarrelMedia.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.